0: want to just flick across to the, yep, beautiful. We've been, well, uh, apart from a brief hiatus when Paul and Brian took us through some psalms, we've been looking at the the idea of community and the things that undermine community and the things that build community. And um, I'm going to finish, wrap that up maybe today, maybe we'll do it for a bit longer, but I think we'll wrap it up today. And my plan is to wrap up with the last two deadly sins, and then do an AMA. Does anyone know what an AMA is? Ask me anything. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with a bit of if we've got time a bit of ask me anything. But what I wanted to do was present this idea that a Christian community like ours, we're meant to be a glimpse of heaven. And uh, if you recall back from the start of the series, um, the, the idea that there is uh, good in the world and evil in the world, there is life and there is death, and that uh, heaven is a place that is full of life and that is full of goodness. That's all there is, goodness and life, the good life, as it were, not the Netflix series, but the reality Uh, that it pointed to. And hell is the opposite of that. Hell is simply the experience of evil that leads to death. Goodness leads to life, evil leads to death. And um, sin is, uh, the two metaphors that we use in the Bible, we find in the Bible to describe this are, uh, or or the the difference between the two is uh, sickness or sin, breaking laws, Uh, The good versus evil or sickness. And these things are healed um, uh, in Christ and in the Christian community. And the goal of life is to move us. uh, Well, what's happened? What has happened here? The goal of the Christian community is to be a little less like to make life in this world as well as in the world to come. But in this world, starting now, a little less hellish and a little more heavenly. So that's the goal, which means a transformation of ourselves, uh, forgiveness for our sin, healing of our sickness, moving us into a place of life that is characterized by perfect goodness. And that's the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we are here to build and to experience and to participate in which uh, is quite wonderful. Now, um, this is the, if you remember, again, right back to uh, this model, there are uh, seven deadly sins that we've thought about over that is, uh, that have been thought about in human history for the last 1500 years. And and these sins are ways of are things that destroy community, destroy, bring bring sin and sickness to bring uh, bring the, the the destruction of relationships with ourselves, with God, and between each other. And uh, the energy, the sins are pride, gluttony, envy, greed, anger, sloth, and lust. So this morning we're going to think about the last two, which is sloth and lust. So um, that's going to be fun. Uh, There is one path of dealing with these sins, which we've uh, thought about um, and is often adopted. Um, You know, how do you deal with power? Submit. How do you deal with pleasure? Abstain. Identity. Conform. Renounce. Calm down. One of the ways we deal with uh, the sin of sloth is by saying act. And the other way we think about dealing with lust is cleanse. Um, There is a path of compromise. Uh, so one you can deny, the other way where you can compromise, and with the two sins we're particularly interested in this morning, it's the path of entertainment, so you deal with sloth, you compromise with the energy of sloth by building a culture of entertainment, or you become permissive, that's how you deal with lust. Uh, this, this model, which I find so incredibly helpful, and I hope you found helpful as well, says that underlying those sins, there's energy that comes from God. God is energy. He energizes us. And underlying the energies of these, uh, underlying these sins, there is an energy that is helpful. And the path of goodness and of life is by redirecting the energy away from selfish, uh, sinful, broken ways to ways that build community. So, again, the sins we're interested in. This morning, we're interested in all of the sins, but particularly this morning, the energy behind sloth is renewal, and the energy behind lust is intimacy. So, what drives sloth is an energy for renewal. What drives lust is an energy for intimacy. And again, you Uh, Just to remind you of all of this, how we see this working, we have these communal qualities that can be redirected uh, through this. Um, He develops this idea of of a parabola that your energies that can be directed in sinful ways all can be harnessed and redirected to building community and building life and love. And it's not enough just to say no to sin. What you actually want to do is say yes to a vision of heaven, of community, of life. You don't, you don't deal with something by going, no, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You go, no, I've got a bigger yes uh, that I live for. Um, so uh, one of the challenges before us is um, how whether we are consumers or disciples and we're going to think quite a bit about that this morning but you'll see again the sins that we're particularly interested in um these these this energy can all be built structurally into our society and into our economies and into our churches and institutions and one of the ways in which the energy for renewal and the sin of sloth is built in is through a focus on wellness instead of training and uh, the way the sin of lust is exposed structurally is that um, our commerce is shot through with sex. We sell with sex. And you, you, you can see that in all sorts of ways. Um, so, uh, again, you might have questions. That's a brief summary of the last five weeks of teaching. And uh, I'm very happy when we've um, had a deep dive into um, sloth and lust so to speak, to come back and, and have a bit of a discussion um, together. So there's energy, uh, the, the pathway away from sloth is, uh, is renewal. Sorry, and I just realized I've got to... Um, and you've got to think about what is sloth? What is, what's a definition of sloth? How would you define sloth? Sorry. It's a cute animal. Yes, yes. A sloth is a cute animal. It's a, uh, a noun that comes, sorry? Apathetic. Apathetic. Yep. Lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Unengaged, disengaged. Yep. Boredom. Now that's very interesting. Um, of the one of the great theologians i think it was let me just refer uh, said where where there is boredom there is no god isn't that interesting so sloth here's one way of thinking about sloth sloth is the desire for everything to be easy It's not in the first instance, just pure disengagement or laziness, though it has that. It can have that expression. Sloth is this idea that I just want everything to be easy. It should all just work. And so you don't agree? That's okay. You have a alternate definition? Yeah, let's do it in the AMA. Let's do it in the AMA. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm using a definition from um, Christian Schwartz. And if you want, the, the word he uses is acidia, which is the Latin word um, that is used in the, in the original uh, writings about this. And it's this idea that I, I won't put in any effort I'll do as little as it takes possibly to keep give myself a life of as much comfort as I can possibly have. Um, and as we saw on the earlier slide, one of the ways this is manifest all around us is the idea uh, that we all love wellness, but we don't love training. And wellness is the with the, the, the wellness is the illusion that you can have a great physical health and psychological integration and flourish as a human being without any serious, consistent hardship and effort on your part. So um, you can find wellness by going to a spa and sitting around and being pampered. Well, that's not going to make you well. I mean, so we were away for a week. Uh, it was lovely. We were at a resort. We were. I, I spent many hours sitting at the pool, and look, it was fabulous. Um, but if you lived at a resort and you never did any exercise and you were weighted on hand and foot, would that actually help you flourish as a human being? Well, it would actually make you extremely unwell. A sedentary life would... Uh, actually kills us right we're made to move so uh w- we have this energy and what 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 is the energy behind this behind sloth behind wanting everything work wanting to be full of life well schwartz says the energy is actually a desire for renewal which comes from god because we all know that uh we get depleted we we act actually find life very, very hard and difficult in all sorts of ways. And inside us to varying degrees is this energy that says, I want somehow to experience something that will just re-energize, reinvigorate, recreate me from the inside. And we are we are driven by that, right? Uh, Schwartz says, you know, the, the best way to, to find that, uh, to, to redirect that energy for renewal is, is in our spirituality, in our connection with God, which, if you think about it, makes a whole bunch of sense. Like, where, uh, where is the source of uncreated energy? Where is the source of infinite energy in the universe? Well, it's God. So God is, uh, the transpersonal dimension of God is, is energy and, and infinite love and infinite acceptance. And so when you and I want renewal and when you're driven by renewal, what Schwartz says is the way to make sure that doesn't lead you into sloth, into just wanting an easy life and pursuing that, take that energy and, and pursue God. Pursue God as your source of renewal. Renewal as your source of reinvigoration, of recreation of life. Um, Renewal and passionate spirituality that that comes, that that is the alternate thing to pursue or the way to direct this energy for renewal instead of sloth, does not mean doing nothing or being easy. Uh, There's training involved. And one of the challenges in the Christian life, we can be very slothful Christians. Can we not? So what is a slothful Christian? A slothful Christian is a Christian person who says, I fundamentally want my Christian experience and my Christian community to be something that is easy and continually affirming of me and allows me to get through life without any real work or effort. It should all just work. So one of the ways that's expressed, and and hold that thought, this may be confronting for you, there's there's two ways in my experience I've seen this expressed. One way is to say, I want church to be entertaining. It's got to work for me. It's got to be entertaining. I've got to. I want to come to church, and it's got to be fun and uplifting and easy. Okay, now is that all wrong? Well, if you, I I remember, and this was, I I cringe when I think of this. Many, many years ago, um, I was. We're bringing about some as many years ago at a church I was part of that will remain nameless. Uh, I had this person come to me and they were quite distressed because of some of the changes that we brought about and sort of, hey, we're moving. We want to involve new people and blah, 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 and spiritual disciplines. And they just said to me, but Mark, I just want church to be uplifting. And, And I made a very unhelpful comment. I said, if you really want upliftment just get a good sports bra and it was a terrible thing to say it was terrible i was so frustrated and i the my the the reason i said it was i didn't understand this so i just got angry and i thought but you don't get it and i thought no she doesn't but what i should have said is yes but you know what will really what will give you what you're really after is not just to have a challenge free entertaining service But to to take that energy where you want that up and say, it's only going to come as you and I and us together actually pursue God. And sometimes that'll be hard and sometimes it'll be wonderful and easy, but that's what I should have said. And I was younger and an idiot and that was a dumb thing to say because I didn't understand you like, no, that's a great desire, but just pursuing that as an end in itself is like, like expecting to grow by just sitting at a resort all week and never working out and never doing anything useful with your life. It's good for a bit, but it's not enough. It won't bring you the good life. It won't bring you a taste to heaven. Uh, The other area I see this in at a very personal level for for us is we think that... um, I think we, we get enormously comfortable with our Christian lives and we find a groove or a rut or a, a level of engagement with God that works for us and we settle into that and we, we don't think, well, maybe God wants something more for us and maybe there's more growth This is a temptation for those of us who've been at the Christian life for a long time. It's my temptation for sure. I can go, well, you know, and, and this slothful, like I found my groove. I found this comfortable place that might look very busy on the surface. I might be doing lots and lots of stuff, but maybe God wants me to stop doing all this other stuff so I can focus on actually connecting more deeply with him in ways that I haven't experienced before. Um, One of the dangers you see for you and I, as we, if we've been followers of Jesus for a very long time, is we can become very resistant to the work of, of ongoing growth. And, and, and one of the reasons is this my growth in God, my experience of God, seems to be directly connected to the extent to which I allow God to actually uncover the garbage in my life, to peel away the layers of self-protectiveness, of brokenness, of pride, of all these sins. And so what I do is I find a, a sort of a place of, uh, like a, of homeostasis where I go, I've got enough of God to feel happy with my life, but not so much that it's hard. Like I kind of really want to have to I'll take an example. I don't really want to have to love my enemies. So I get to a comfortable place where I've got just enough of Jesus that I can get through life okay, and I just then go, well, you know, the whole loving your enemies stuff, maybe I won't do that right now. I'll do just enough of it to get by and look like I'm a Christian. And that's, a, that's the energy of sloth because I don't want that's hard. But, of course, the, the truth of the matter is um, if, I, if I pursue God first and I say whatever it takes, I want that connection with God um, beyond my comfort, beyond my entertainment. Uh, that's a way of directing uh, and, and building my passionate spirituality. Okay. Um, that's sloth. How about, hey, where's it gone? How about lust? Well, uh, let's assume we're, do we need to do a definition of lust? Why? The biggest problem with lust, or the, the, the key problem with lust is it is fundamentally selfish. Okay? It's fundamentally selfish. So the underlying energy behind lust is an energy for intimacy and connection. That's from God. Okay, you go, yeah, we are made for connection. We're made for intimacy. Our desire and energy for intimacy becomes lust when we take that energy and we, uh, we use it in an entirely selfish way. So whether it's uh, pornography, so you look at pixelated images of mostly women who've been trafficked um and you use that for sexual gratification of yourself okay that's lust it's entirely selfish or whether you use that in a relationship uh, and it's all about what i can get out of you how you make me feel so lust has as at its core a drive of profound selfishness um the 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 energy behind that is actually intimacy that's what we're driven for as the bible says it's not good for people to be alone we're made for each other and of course um we, we think of sex we think of lust primarily about sex but lust can be about consuming anything and anyone in such a way that will help us uh feel like we're not alone but still do it all on our own terms okay um you can actually lust after the person you're married to which means you're just using them in your marriage as a way to not help yourself feel alone and to deal with the terror of your existential separation in the universe and you can actually be using the person you're married to and can be incredibly selfish even within marriage right so um but we're made to be connected to each other. And what's interesting is that when you understand that dynamic and you lean into it, you discover, which is interesting, and you may never have thought about this, the the path, the way to redirect your energy for lust through your desire for intimacy is into uh, inspiring worship. And you go, huh? Huh? Well, what does that mean? Well, we are made as human beings to decenter ourselves. And the path away from lust is away a path away from selfishness. And the fundamental step we're made, we, we have to make as human beings, is to put God at the center, not ourselves. That's what Jesus said when he was asked, what is the essence of our humanity? He said it's to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So there, when, when we say that my deep desire for intimacy is met first and foremost by giving my heart and my soul in worship to my creator, in worship of God, that's the energy. You say, that's I'm here to worship, I'm here to connect with God, and it's not about me, it's not about what I can get which was the story in uh, Luke 7 that Rolf read for us. The woman who came uh, and anointed Jesus' feet with an alabaster jar of oil, like that was probably a year's worth of money, of savings. Uh, She was excluded. The Pharisees hadn't uh, welcomed Jesus appropriately. They hadn't accepted him. She comes and she extravagantly gives her all to connect with Jesus, That's the picture of inspiring worship, of saying, I will find my humanity. I'll I'll find my way away from lust as I actually use the energy that I have for connection to worship God, to give my life to God in the totality of my being. Now... um, it makes sense when you understand that one of the key metaphors the Bible uses to describe the relationship between us and God is that of the relationship between a husband and a wife. That's meant to be intimate, the relationship that we have with God. It's not meant to be sexual in the sense that we have sex with somebody who's embodied. There are all kinds of cults that make that connection and Typically, doesn't end well, um, and I'm not suggesting we pursue that as a strategy for building community at all. But the energy for intimacy is there, right? It's interesting. You may or may not know this. Um, we are we're called to know God, and the Hebrew word for know is the Hebrew word yada, and it's the same word that is used that a, a man is to know his wife and in hebrew the range of know includes there's a sexual knowing so uh, s- sex between a husband and a wife is is framed within hebrew as coming to know, as knowing the other person there's a depth and an intimacy and a vulnerability and a knowingness and the bible says that that is what we are to pursue with god to know god with that level of intimacy and and the way to to if you are if you have a very high energy level for intimacy if this is what drives you more than some of the other energies then the growth that you can bring to our community is by bringing in an energy for inspiring worship for helping us as a community connect intimately with god individually and together in our small groups Uh, One of the ways we, um, one of the tools we have, you say, okay, Mark, that's great. And I'm going to finish here and we'll go into a time of questions and then time of prayer, is um, we have a little test that you can do, a little diagnostic tool that um, will help you understand which are your strongest energies. And uh, whether it's power, pleasure, identity, sustenance, justice, renewal, or intimacy. And if you're interested in doing doing the test, it's a little e-test. A couple of you have done it. It takes what, 10 minutes, maybe? And then you get this really great report. It gives you a little printout like this. And one of the things that I'd be really interested in is if you're interested to do this, to to build up a picture of our of our church, of where is where is the energy of our church and how do we grow together in, in these ways. Um, and, uh, and then, the, then I'm very, and I've been meeting with people one-on-one then to go through a process of coaching and mentoring to think about how do you grow and how do you deploy and use that particular energy in the growth of our community? Because remember the goal, as we all bring our energies uh, and harness that energy for the growth of community, the goal is to build a community that tastes a bit more heavenly and a bit, and a bit less hellish. And I'll stop there.